Keith, I understand you had distribution for Mason Brothers during production. Is that right? Right. Um, so we had a uh, pre-sales deal with my distributor um, prior to. So I wrote the script um, in let's see, it was November of 2015, and then uh, shortly afterwards, I had a pre-sales deal with my distributor. So I had before we started filming, I had distribution already locked in. So I was very fortunate with that. And so please tell us, because we have so many filmmakers trying to figure out how to get distribution. I mean, how did you even get the conversation started with distributors? Was this the first one you talked to? Um, you know, people have asked me that before. I think, so I met my distributor, I met uh, from I remember, because I go to American Film Market every year, which most people should go if you're in the industry. Um, and you're always meeting when you're there. It's like a big madhouse of distributors and, you know, financial. Everyone's just... So it's like multiple floors in Santa Monica at the Lowe's, I think it's the Lowe's Hotel. Um, but I just met so many different distributors there and I stayed in contact or email. And I think I was in touch with my distributor after that from what I remember, if I'm not wrong. Um, so I just kinda, we, I think they reached out to me or I reached out to them shortly after, like months later, and then we started talking. And then I told them that, uh, you know, I had this feature film that I was shooting in the summer of 2016. And then uh, we talked about a deal and then we ended up negotiating and locked in a deal. So it was pretty exciting to have that going into the into or into principal photography shooting uh, production. It was good to have that on the table. So you you came to LA in 2012? 2012, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so then was this your first AFM? Was in like what, 2015 or 2016? Uh, around there, 2015 maybe, 2014. Okay. 15 or 14 around there. I've been there a couple of years now, like two or three years I've been there. Oh, okay. So going. was this your second time when you when I you I believe actually... so. Yes, oh, yes. Cool. yes. Okay, so maybe you felt more at ease and then when you when you went, I mean like what what was your mindset to just start talking to people and find out who's a distributor and then right. just tell them about you know Right. Um just networking a lot of this industry, like like I've told people before, I mean ninety nine percent of it's relationships and networking, meeting people and uh, you know, people who wanna work with you and you wanna work with them. So my goal was just going there and um, meeting as many people as I can, distributors and who I would work well with. So I uh, ended up exchanging a lot of cards with people and telling me about the projects I had with my production company. And then, um, then yeah, I just stayed in touch through emails, just constantly emailing people and it's just a constant hustle. So, so I'm curious because, I mean, sometimes big events like that are kind of terrifying. Are you going in, is it like almost like a bar, like a party situation, and mm -hmm. then you're striking up conversations with people? How does that work? <laughs> um, kind of. Not, not really, but kind of. It's um, So they have, when you go to American Film Market, they have, like I said, different levels, different stories of, um, it's like, I think like seven or eight stories high. Like the hotel, it's a hotel. And then every... There's every room at this hotel is a, a suite. Obviously, they have different rooms, and um, every distributors there's distributors in every single room. Sometimes even two, um, but usually a distributor will have their own room, um, or a production company, or um, so they're a type of company, investors, people like that. So you really just go around to the different uh, rooms, and you those like there's like a sign-in sheet you can sign in, or you can call or email their company um, weeks in advance and make an appointment. And then you can make an appointment for either the project you have in development with you know acquisitions or um, or a project that's already done which you're trying to sell. You know you just basically tell them what what you want, and they usually they'll book you for for an appointment if they're interested. 
And then afterwards, usually they close down at like 6 p.m. And then you have, uh, everyone goes down to like the bar afterwards. And that's really where a lot of negotiations begin <laughs> yeah. over a drink. So it's, it's a good, great event. I think everybody in the industry should go. If you're a producer, especially if you're a director, writer, actor, anything, you should go. It's a must. You have to pay an admission fee. Right, right you do have to yeah. pay. Okay, sounds like it's definitely worth it. But it's worth it, yeah. So when you went that one time, how many cards would you say you got from distributors? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, I would say maybe close to 100, maybe less. Well, maybe, maybe, I'm exaggerating, maybe like 50 or so. That's a lot. But I had like a huge bag full of just like dozens and dozens of cards. You're like going through, trying to memorize who you talk to and stuff. So, but a lot, yes, yeah, definitely a lot. Interesting. Okay, so then you get home, and are you emailing them? How, how is this? The, what what happens once you have this bag of cards? Right. Um. Well, both. Um. So you're 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 following up with the people that you talk to, um, based on whatever your conversation was on if if they like the project or if you're trying to sell something or get you know you have a project in development you're looking for financing. Um. However, there are there's there's some guys who would like for instance email me if they say hey you talked about that film. Um, you know, we're interested in that. Let us know. You said you were shooting it in wherever the summertime. Um, you know, we'd be interested in, in distributing it if you want to talk about that. So it's a little bit of both, but mostly you, it's kind of in your hands. You know, it's your own. You have to reach out to them a lot because they have so many people that they're talking to, unless they really love your project or whatever you're trying to, you know, pitch or you, or you're shooting soon that they, uh, they want to take on. Interesting. Um, and so then how many of them said can we see the script like at what point or did some get back to you some not get back to you and some said can we see the script I mean some did um, some did a lot more more interested in hey you know when's the when's the shoot schedule when will you be done and you know what's the story who's attached really they really want to know who's attached um. that's the first question they ask is who's attached what actors what director uh, what producers because as you know a lot of people um you know, industry, it's, you sell a movie usually based on the actors and the talent are attached, or sometimes the director, if it's a big name director, but usually the name talent. So that's the first question I ask is who's attached, what actors. So that's that, and you know, what's the story about? Uh, when are you shooting it? When will it be done? Things like that. I and mean, they will ask for the script, you know, afterwards, but so. Oh, that's great. And so, yeah. so you're following up or they're contacting you and then you actually shoot the film and then when you go to follow up with those various people, how many actually follow through? With, well, what do you mean when the film's done? Yeah, so when you, you shot, if I'm understanding this correctly, so you then you shot the film and then you're like, hey guys, um, you know, to these different distributors, right. um, I'm done, you guys wanna take a look at it or? Right, well you can't, yes you can do that obviously, and I mean to answer your question, like a lot of from my other friends within the industry, with directors and other producers and uh, people in that nature, um, if you have a finished product, and if it if if the picture looks good, they're gonna to want to see a trailer, obviously, and a key art, a poster. And if they like that, I mean, most distributors, if it looks good, sounds good, they're gonna be interested. Somebody will be interested, even if there's not a key actor, somebody attached. However, um, with with my film, um, since I already had that pre-sales deal with my distributor prior to shooting, I didn't do that because I already had that locked in. So like when the film was, I already had a contract with them before shooting. So basically, once the film is done, you know, the film goes to them, they take it for a certain percentage for every sale. So that's kind of how that worked with me. So I wasn't doing like all these emails with that, the feature I just did. Ah, okay, so. sorry. Yeah, I was trying to understand that. That's fascinating. So 
this is your first feature and you're already locking in a distribution deal before it's shot? Right. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It is. Yeah. It's, um, I was fortunate. Uh, it's, it's very hard to get distribution. It's very, very hard. It's hard to get distribution and, and financing for a film in general. So like making, uh, making a film and pushing it through to its final ending and getting out to a distributor and marketing it and stuff is extremely hard. And I'm very fortunate to get to that. I mean, it's, it was tough. So, but, um, but yeah, that's what happened. Let me see if I understand this, Keith. So you said that your distributor wanted you to have named talent attached. How did you prove to them that you had different people attached and who were these people? What were their credits? Right, so I mean, um, I, had a, I had a great uh, cast. I had a lot of good cast members attached. We were in like a lot of day roles and TV shows and stuff. And one of uh, Julian Cesario was in like, Sunset Beach back in the 90s and he was in some good stuff. And um, I had him and then what really sold my distributor on taking on the film, from I remember, was my uh, my cinematographer uh, Earl Weber. Um, he is in 2010. He won a well. He was part of a short film 2010. What called American Promise, I believe it was called. What won a Academy Award and Oscar in 2010. And he was the cinematographer on the film, a director of photography. Um, and it, like his his reel was awesome. I mean, his reel was awesome. His resume was resume was awesome. And just all that together, I think, is what sold them onto getting the pre-sales deal done. But I think a lot of it had to do with Earl um, being part of the Oscar-winning movie in 2010, a short film, what really sold onto them coming on board. And then, like I said, I had good cast members what were in day roles and TV shows and stuff. And then my music composers, in my opinion, the best in the business are one of the best, uh, Federico Veona. And um, he was attached, and he's awesome, too. So... Now, I know you've done shorts before on your own. Did they ask to see those as well so that they could see your other work on, in yes. a shorter form? Yes, absolutely. Yes, I mean, they saw my, my resume. I gave them my resume and the IMDb and stuff. And then uh, they, asked, they asked for my shorts, yes. So I got to see my style from directing and as a writer as well. So I think all, that, all those things in totality as a total package is what helped get the deal. But I know Oral Weber was a big influence as well, since he was part of that movie in 2010. I mean, winning an Oscar is huge, or being part of a film won an Oscar. So going back to American film market, if you were to go again today, or go again for the first time, is there anything you would do differently? Um, yes, I mean, I would come more with a, more with a packaged uh, film. I mean, even when I was going with like the Mason Brothers to American Film Market, I had other projects too. It wasn't just that one. Um, I was a little more green in the business. I mean, I didn't know as much, but I would come with more of a complete package, more people attached. I didn't have all these different cast members attached, even at American Film Market. I had some, but as time went on, and then when I finally spoke to my distributor, I had more people attached. But I would come more with a prepared package, especially with um, just more more names and more people, just to show them this is what it is. Um, so that, and then, um, yeah, and then obviously ready to show any type of proof of financing that they can see. I mean, I don't have to have it right there at the market, but you know, it's ready if they want to see, Hey, where's the proof of financing that you have to shoot this so we can do a deal, you know, within the next week or two. Do you mind if I ask what the budget was? Sure. I'll tell people it's, it's it was under a million. It was under a million, but, uh, yeah, I usually don't tell you the, it's a little secret. Okay. All right. Okay. So we'll, we'll find, but, um, how are you getting 
the financing for that? Um, so for this one, the feature I did, uh, the Mason Brothers was uh, through me and a private, private investor. We financed it. So I was fortunate because it wasn't a massive budget. I mean, this wasn't like a, well, in the Hollywood standards, even like $5 million is considered not a big budget. Right. Uh -huh. But it wasn't like a three to $5 million movie. So we were able to, me and us, and a private investor, we came up with a way to self-finance it. it forgive me, if, again, if I'm prying too much, but had you known this person previously? Yes. Oh, you had, okay. For a long time. Okay, long okay. Time. So they trusted you, right, they knew, yeah. okay, I see. You're not just like meeting no. them at Sundance and hey, no. okay. Which is tough, I mean, that's, I'm glad you touched on that. That's, I see a lot of different their producers and, and filmmakers, and it's just like going out nowadays to try to find investors is you have to if you don't know them already it's hard you have to establish a relationship and meet these people and it's like what's their guarantee they're gonna get their money back and what's in it for them really so you have to really influence them unless you've known them forever and he's like here's my marketing strategy and you have a track record too that helps obviously so that's pretty exciting and terrifying here you're yeah. what 27 you ha is, are well, you 27 at the time well you, and you have i was 28 28, 28. okay i just turned 30 now so it was we shot when I was 29. We shot the movie when I was 29. It was summer of 2016. And then um, released it in uh, this past April when I was still 29, right before I turned 30. So I was about 28 cool. for this, for the last, for that film market when I was selling this film. Wow, so so here you have someone that believes in you, right. but at the same time, there's money on the line and it's, it's probably gotta be yeah. exhilarating, mm -hmm. but also nerve wracking because. Yes, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you feel the pressure, I mean, there's so much money involved and stuff in this industry and people you know relying on you to get it done and your team so it's uh, this isn't like similar businesses maybe where the startup fees like five or ten grand to get going I mean you're making a feature films like I mean it, every film varies I mean it depends on how you make your film but I mean you could it could take a, anywhere from like a hundred grand to make a feature film to 10 million or more so it's just like, and essentially every film's a startup business is what it is technically. So, you know, getting a, a startup fee of that's huge for for any business. And you, it became an LLC. Did right. you did you take it to an attorney to to turn it into a corporation? Well, the film didn't. My company because I well I know a lot of a lot of films do that. Most films do to make it an LLC. I didn't for this one, um, but my production company obviously an LLC. So that's what was you know that's what. That's what produced it, and you know, under my company, oh, okay, what made it. So you already had that structure in place, right? Prior. Uh huh. Okay. Wow. And did you have someone talking you through this? I mean, it's pretty amazing. I, I, I even as many you know interviews as I've done with mm -hmm. Film Courage, I wouldn't know all the steps to do since I've never fully produced a feature on my own. Right. I've had other people around me, but how did you know to do all this? Forgive me. Uh -huh. I just, it just. Um. No. 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 It's a good question. I um. <laughs> So I started making short films. That's where I started, and um, I learned a lot from there. I kind of took from from that background. And making a short film is nothing like making a feature, obviously. But I've always line produced all my produced and line produced all my films, all my short films. Which for people who know what line producing is, just putting together, coming up with the contacts to put together the film. You know, getting your location managers, locations, scripts, putting getting your DP, your gaffer, all the people to assemble. Um, I've always done it for every film of mine. So I kind of knew that I was always doing that anyways. And then for the feature, I had two other people come on or two or three other people come on and help me out. And we started doing like the script breakdown and we just started lining the loca locations up and the, all the crew and then start casting. 
we just kind of went with it and just yeah we just went with it and started locking everything in and then we came up with a shoot schedule and then we just started shooting and then um when post-production came we just kept kept going after that so you had done it on a smaller scale right. and and you knew many things and then you assembled sort of a couple people around you that right oh okay right that's great how long did it take you to write mason brothers about four weeks four weeks yeah. okay wow a month wow um do you remember where you came up with the idea you know as people have asked me that before i i don't, I don't know i um i've always loved heist movies and crime movies crime, crime thriller movies and uh since the 90s there hasn't been a lot of like those old school movies like heat and la confidential i mean there were so many great movies from the 90s which i loved growing up and i haven't seen a movie like that in a long time it was kind of like that type of 90s heist movie and i've always wanted to do a heist movie so i just came up with a story of just a group of brothers that are tight tight group of brothers and it's about the death of one of their youngest brothers and them trying to seek revenge on their you know, brother's killer and they're set up at this bank heist for 10 million dollars so i just it's weird how the creative mind works with like coming up with with stories. It just kind of came to me. I've always wanted to do a high school movie. I just sat down and thought, hey, this is a cool concept, and started writing it nonlinear, and just came up with it. And did you write the Mason Brothers script here? I did. You did. Okay. I did, yeah. Would you pick a certain time of day? Like, how would you start working on it? Nighttime. Nighttime. Oh wow. It's okay. quiet. No one's calling me, texting me. You know, it's easier for me to concentrate. Interesting. And um, how many uh, how many drafts did you do before you were ready to actually do? The no, I only did two. 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 Well, here's the thing. I did like they say when you shoot a film, usually the script's always changing up to the day of shooting, even during shooting. So I did like two full drafts, or uh, two full. So I wrote it once, and I did one full revision, right? And then things like little things were changed throughout the weeks, all the way up till shooting. Like little things with the dialogue maybe and, and some of the sets changing props around and little things like that and then the day of the shooting we're like okay maybe this works better for um, the actor saying this or for this happening in the scene instead so little things were changed all the way up to the shooting did you have any else or excuse me did you have anyone else read it with the two drafts anyone that you were i mean um yes yeah one of my producing partners read it and he was hey man you should probably change this or so that i had some advice on people obviously on little things like, hey, this may look at this, just to clarify that, so you're not repetitive with maybe this or something. So, are there a certain number of scenes or pages you would write every day? Like, you know, I know you said you wrote it nonlinear and different right. things like that, but like, were you very um, disciplined when it came to how much time you put in every day to it? Yes, I mean, I didn't have like a specific amount of hours, maybe, because you get writer's block, and it's like after that, you're kind of like. You know, I think I'll call it quits for today and kind of go back tomorrow. So it just varied. Some days it was like maybe two hours, maybe one day it was only one hour. Um, I didn't really have like a certain amount of scenes I wanted in a day, but I did want the script done in a certain amount of time. I didn't really say like, well, I want it done in a month, but I want it done in you know, at least two months or so. But I was fortunate to get it done in a month because I wrote another script and it was like, it takes longer. I just wrote a, my last script I'm in development now with the second, this other feature. Um, took me two and a half months to write. So it's just weird how it could take you either a month or two and a half months or whatever. It just depends on how you're able to think and, and come up with different stuff, concepts, so. 
And you play Ren? In the right. Movie? Okay. Right. And so did you know that you wanted to be in it as well? Because I know you have a passion for acting as well. That's why you came to LA, right? Right. Um, yeah, so like with all my other films, all my other short films I started doing, um, kind of like a trademark of mine, I do like some other directors do. I put myself in my own movies, um, usually as a strong supporting or one of the leads. So my concept behind it is like, well, it's a cool trademark that some directors do. And then also people would understand like when you make a film, especially like a feature, you spend so much time doing it. It's a lot of money, a lot of time that you're so involved. You're so involved in it. That's like, why not put, you know, if you're going to spend so much time doing it, why not be in it and do be all in with being in the film and stuff, which I mean, it creates more, it's a little harder. I was trying to direct behind camera and being in it obviously too. But um, yes, yeah, so from the start, I wanted to play one of the one of the four leads, which is Ren's the oldest brother of the of the group. Is he like you? A little bit, a little bit. How so? Yeah. Um, well, maybe you know he's in, the character doesn't speak a whole lot. I mean, I speak. I'm not saying I'm not like this is a quiet guy, but uh, he's kind of a no nonsense type of guy. He's um, he's kind of lets his actions speak. He's not like. You know, like off the chain, like like running his mouth, like totally angry and stuff like that. I mean, some of these other characters. So he's a little more um, focused and humble. I say humble, focused, and low key. It's kind of, and I kind of see myself kind of like that a little bit, at least low key. You know. Okay. So you 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 identify with him, and you liked playing him. Right. Okay. Right. It's great. Which a lot of the characters I put in my films are like that too. They're very. Kind of the quiet, like the Clint Eastwood. Um, you know, not, not a whole lot of dialogue, but he's like one of the lead, you know, uh, guys in the film who has makes his actions speak for his words type of deal. Right. So, is there a certain screenplay structure you like to use? Yes, I write all my screenplays uh, non chronological or non-linear. It's just a style of mine. Uh, similar writer directors do it. Um, it's how I write. It's how I love to write. I think it makes the story a lot more intriguing because you can take like maybe a film what's I'm not bashing dramas, but I'm just using it as an example. You take like a drama what's maybe or a film what's maybe not doesn't have a lot of action, just a lot of dialogue, it's not interesting. But if you take the timeline and you and you splice it up and you break it up into pieces, um, and you cut it back and forth in the timeline from like past to present, it can make for a lot more interesting story. So it lets the audience kinda of have to piece together the puzzle on um you know, what's going on in the story and it just makes it a lot more interesting so you take that style and you put it with maybe like a crime thriller or an action film you can make a great film i think and there's similar directors that would do that too chris nolan's an example he's just a master of that i think he's really good at that yeah. are you thinking about hitting certain beats or within this amount of pages i need to have this happen when you write yes for each story, it's a little different, but for the most part, yes, I'm trying to capture the audience's attention, especially in the beginning of the movie, um, and at certain points. So I still have like my plot points and, and certain parts where you know, I'm trying to create more suspense or action or something going on to keep audiences' attention. That's very important to screenwriting. So there is, it is, there's a structure to it. Yes, there's a structure. Well, I know you've mentioned all the favorite directors that you have and, and the films, um, but were there certain um, screenwriting books that helped you, or was it just watching these these films like Drive? I know mm -hmm. you've mentioned. Oh, and, I love it. Yeah, that's and a good movie. Different different other films like that. Um, you know, I somebody told me this, I don't remember who it was, but I really learned screenwriting and, and and how to format and how to do it just by reading a lot of screenplays for my favorite movies. 
So from watching my favorite films and from reading my favorite screenplays from different movies, that's really what I kind of learned. Just reading them over and over again and how they did it and um, links to the structure and stuff. So that's just by reading a lot of them, really. From the time when you were a little kid, did you read a lot? Did you devour? A little bit, not yeah. really. I watched more movies than I did read. Oh, okay. I didn't really like reading, no. not a whole lot. I didn't really like reading. Um, I love watching movies though. And that's why, that's why I make films now, I think. You know? It's a passion. Forgive me, Keith, but I just have to ask, so if it takes you a month to write a screenplay, I'm just gonna try to play devil's advocate here. How good could it really be if mm -hmm. it takes a month? Shouldn't you put more time right. into it? You know, I think it depends on the writer, and it really depends on on the content was created. You have to be honest with yourself and sit down after you've written the screenplay and say, "Is this what I wanted to write? Is this what I tried to make? And this is what is this what I want to make for a film?" Because, like for me, for instance, I I write screenplays to make films. That's really I'm not really like a screenwriter in a sense. I mean, I write screenplays, but that's to to make the film. Obviously, that's because there's some people who just write screenplays. Obviously. Right, and then they don't really direct or do anything with it. They just sell them. Um, but I think it just depends on, on the on the what you come up with. You have to sit down, like I said, and read through it and say, "Is this what I wanted? Am I content with this?" Because there's some people who will take ten months to write a screenplay or years. Which, for me, that's for me, it's, it's too long. I mean, if it takes that long, it takes that long. But I'm always trying to create content to shoot something to make because I want to make future films. Right, so I'm always coming up with stuff to, okay, I want to make this film, you know, let's get it done, let's write it and revise it, look at it, and then let's try to find a way to make it. So I'm always, not on a time crunch, but I'm um, always trying to make my next project. Is that your style in life too? Just when you know you want to do something, you're, you're just all in on it and you right. do it? Okay. Yes, no, I 100% agree, I think so. Um, if I want something, I'm just always on the hustle every single day trying to achieve that goal. I always have that goal in mind every single day when I wake up. It's it's there. I mean, that's what I have written down. And I'm always, I try to do something every single day what furthers my career. You know, whatever it is. If it's emailing people, calling people, going to a networking event, um, writing uh, another screenplay, shooting something, something just to further every single day and that's if you do that every single day I think and you have that mindset now so then you're always be moving forward so when you came here in 2012 um, you were more hoping to act right you were right. you were kind of planning to be an actor right mm -hmm. well, that was here's the thing. well no because here's the thing I think a lot of people because when you see a film like so I grew up loving films as a child as a kid and we see a film the first thing you see is the actors, but you don't know about all of their jobs on the set. You don't know what the director, the director of photography, the camera operators, the gaffers, the grips, you know, the second unit, you know, coordinator directors, all these people. You don't know about their jobs, so you see the actors. So you're like, well, that's what I want to do. I want to be involved in films. So that's kind of the first thing a lot of people I've seen they get into is usually the acting or stunt acting or something like that. So that was, yes, that was the first thing I was trying to get into. And then um, I've always been interested in producing and writing, directing my own stuff. And um, yeah, I went to a film program for about almost a year and then I started making my own content and I just, I fell in love with really directing more than anything. That's kind of what my true passion is, I think.
So it's 2012, and although the recession was technically over, I believe it still was lingering here in LA. Th yeah. Things hadn't really recovered, so there's that issue. But how was it for you driving around auditions? I know you had mm -hmm. talked about that previously, right. and that is such a huge part of being an actor. Mm -hmm. How was that for you, and how was that an eye-opener? It's a tough life. I had to, I mean, that is, I had to, I mean, every person who's an actor, that is, that's, uh, that's uh, and I appreciate that. Like they, them taking on that, that is very hard to do. And that is very, takes a lot of patience and a lot of time. I mean, what you making a film does, but even that, because there's so much rejection in that. Uh, you're just driving around town and you walk into a room with 50 other people who look like, just like you, and they're just as skilled as you. And you're auditioning for a part. And it's just like, a lot of times, some of these casting offices, they don't even use, I mean, they'll call on those 50 people, they don't even use any of them, they'll just recast, or they'll find another 50 people they can potentially cast. So, and that's kind of what led me to making my own product and films, is just like, I mean, I got sick of that after like a little over a year, and want to kind of create my own path and destiny by, you know, using my own finances and things to make my own products, instead of like relying on others and trying to do the casting calls and stuff. It's, very, very tough life living like that, I think. Yeah, it is a grind and, and you're always sort of reaching for this carrot and sometimes mm -hmm. you grab it and then sometimes yeah, you don't. Right. Was there a defining day where you said, no, I want to, I, I mean, was it the day you enrolled in the film school or what was it that where you said, I don't think this route is for me, I want to make films? Um, you know, I think it was accumulation over that little over year, it was like a year and a half when I was doing that. Um, but when I enrolled into the film program, that's when I, that's when I fell in love with like directing stuff, and I said, "This is awesome. You know, this is making my own product, so I can create my own, you know, vision for the story and the film, and write it, and then make my own characters. And if I wanted to be in the film, like I do for a lot of stuff, for a lot of my, almost all my stuff, I could write my own characters on the way I would want to portray it or whatever. Because I, like, it's usually the writer. You know, this, the characters the best and the story the best for the most part. Because you're writing it, you're creating it. So, um, yeah, I think when I enrolled in that program it was really what it was. Uh, Turning, turning moment for me and changed a lot. From there, that's when things started to really change for me out here. And I started seeing a lot more success and um, exposure and, and yeah, that was awesome. It was a good day. Keith, do you come from a line of filmmakers? No, no, I don't. I'm the first one actually in my family, yeah. Okay. So I just find it fascinating that you had sort of this, this business vision along with creative vision to go to AFM with a script that was mm -hmm. not finished yet. Correct. And, and already trying to find distribution for that's pretty amazing. Um, wh where are you getting that, those ideas from? That's... You know, so I wrote, so American Film Markets usually in November of every year in Santa Monica, California. And when I went there, I was in the process, I was still writing the Mason Brothers. And I had, uh, so I had two other projects I was still I had two other projects with finished scripts that I was trying to get off the ground with, with that too. So I kind of had, uh, had a couple of scripts that I was trying to get off the ground. However, my, one of my good buddies in the business, um, was also a director and a producer, he, um, he recommended to me prior like years ago. He's like, hey, you have to go to American Film Market. This is the place you got to go for being distributors and even not just that's great networking, you got to go. And he was kind of telling me how it worked and stuff, and he kind of um, mentored me, gave me some advice on how the whole process works and walking into the different hotel room suites and meeting with the different distributors and stuff. So I had that. He kind of pitched the idea to me, 
and um, just this is a business. I mean, it's, that's what it is. It is creative, but it's, in my opinion, it's more of a business than it is uh, creativity in a sense. I mean, it is creative, but it's a, it's a business is what it is. So you make a film, especially a feature film. Your goal should be obviously is you want to make a product. You want to you know obviously do what you love and you're passionate about it, but also try to make some profit off it if you can. So it's just smart to go to someplace like American Film Market or another film market to try to sell a film or anything you have on your production company, other projects which you're trying to get started. So it's just wise to do that. And yeah, I just thought like, I was thinking it was a business mind. You know, that's that's what should be done. And my friend was telling me to do that, so I did it. Do you see other filmmakers around you? Maybe the ones you went to film school with or people that you talk to here in LA that have that same mindset? Because some people get very offended thinking right. that their their work of art is is also a product, and mm -hmm. I can see how that would make people mad. But it, in actuality, it's true. It, it's a product. Right. That's that's what it is. Um, some people. I mean, some people have that same mindset, but some people don't. I mean, some people have their own agenda of how they want to do things. But I mean, most filmmakers I've met. I mean, a lot of people. Majority. A lot of people go to film festivals to try to get distribution for the film. Most of them. So obviously, or just some type of exposure. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have that mindset, um, but maybe some more than so. Some some people treat it more in a business than, than maybe some some don't. Um, or some hustle harder and trying to get their film distributed or some type of pre-sales deal prior to shooting it. So it really just depends on the individual. I've seen different people do it different ways. But me personally, I've always, yeah, I think American film market and going to you know, get some type of distribution deal and prior is important. We have a lot of people watching the channel that would definitely want to do what you've done and maybe they're younger, maybe they're older, maybe they're the same age and they're like, you know what, I see Keith's trailer online and I'm like, I want to make that movie. I see his pictures online where he goes to this cool premiere mm -hmm. and he's in a tux. How, it looks so easy. Can you tell us, is it really that easy? No. Um, you know, I tell people this, and I really mean it. Uh, making that feature film is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, it was uh, it's so much work and time and money, and of course the stress, and there's just so much involved. Uh, people you see, you know, I didn't really understand the Hollywood industry before I came here, because all you see is the you know, the glamour and people on red carpets and stuff. You don't know the hard work what it takes to get there. And I see some of these people, they walk across the stage of the Oscars and I mean, I've never obviously been anywhere near that level. I'm not even just beginning with stuff, but uh, I see a lot of the hard work that goes into this stuff and it is a ton of hard work and time and money just to get to that level. Um, so seeing people on that red carpet premieres and stuff, it took them a, you know, huge sacrifices with not seeing friends, family for lengths of time and making huge sacrifices to get there either financially or time-wise or everything really. So it is extremely hard. It is you have to really be passionate about it and love it to do it because nobody in their right mind would stick to something, you know, what was so time-consuming and money and so much rejection. Even as a filmmaker, I mean, people are always shooting down your your product either for distribution or for um, financing. They don't want to finance it, so there's always rejection with that or acting or whatever it is. There's so much rejection, negativity that nobody in their right mind would stick with something unless they really loved it. So that's kind of how the way I see it. So it's a ton of work. It is. So what would you say were some of the hardest parts of it? Uh, let's let's maybe leave out mm -hmm. the financing, if unless that was part of the hardest or mm -hmm. one of the hardest parts. But what what else? 
well, the hardest part overall, I think, was uh, coordinating. So, I mean, I had an AD, assistant director on there, helped me with stuff, but like, they're all post-production. I was doing a lot of the stuff. I was post-production supervisor and doing a lot of stuff with my editor and my music composer, sound guy. So a lot of the project fell on me. Like I was like, so I, I released the film theatrically in LA through my company. And then my distributor helped out with a Northern California distribution deal recently. So a lot of that, I was doing a lot of that myself after the film was released. And I had people help me out, you know, with pre-production and stuff. But um, I think it was the sheer volume of coordination with the amount of people, because we had maybe like 25 people in total on the film from pre-production to principal photography and production. Uh, the post-production, the whole thing, just on the on the film itself. So you're coordinating with all these people, and that's a lot of people to coordinate with. So it's constantly emailing back and forth and lining things up and making sure things don't fall through. With like the premiere we did at the Egyptian theater, and like making sure that doesn't fall through. Um, the theatrical release, you know, the different theaters uh, we were lining up is just yeah, making sure all that doesn't fall through and coordinating. So it's the amount of coordination and time and negotiating and like contracts back and forth is what was the hardest part was the coordinating so is it where you know you're waking up the birds are chirping things are great mm -hmm. you're like we're on this and then an hour later everything's falling apart yeah it can be <laughs> yes definitely because then you get an email or a phone call like hey you know this location fell through for the film or this fell through um so you get yeah you got bad news with stuff or someone doesn't someone's doesn't want to be on the film anymore or something you have to replace somebody or so there's always stuff what has to be done throughout the night like i'm staying up like throughout the night like still you know with other people on my team like coordinating and doing stuff and making sure things are good to go because essentially you have all this money on the line too and a contract yeah that you have to produce and and make for a distributor and also making a certain time and um just get, get done in general with the amount of money you know, on the line and everything. What time frame are we looking at in terms of how long? Is it 2015 until now? For this, for the film? Yeah, or, from, from start um, to a year and a half. From everything from writing the script to, to shooting, to post-production, to distributing the film, getting out into the theater release and everything, that took a year and a half. So it was from like, started writing in November 2015 and then it did the premiere in April, April 11th of this year, and then a uh, theatrical release the same month. And then obviously my distributor took it from there. So a year and a half, a long year and a half. And you had bus ads? Yes, so? yes wow, we did. Cool. Uh, yeah, we had, we had like 40 bus ads on the Metro bus lines in LA. Wow. For the big, you know, the big, you see all the big movies and stuff on there. And I mean, we, we myself and my team, we came with that concept on I don't see a lot of independent movies do that. It's usually studio movies. So we're like, well, what's a way we can market this thing around LA? And uh, one of my buddies has a company in Florida and he told me, he's like, man, look, I get all my business, a lot of my business I get from bus ads. And, um, you know, I kind of took his advice and stuff. And because bus ads are always moving, so they're not a fixed, they're not a fixed post, they're always moving around. So, you know, you see them all over LA. So we did bus ads as like a form of marketing big ones and forgive me again if this is too much but is this something your distributors paying for no no all the bus ads a lot of the marketing all that stuff was through me and my company wow okay yeah 
So it's, it's making sure too that the, the picture looks right and how are you checking up to make sure that they've even put them out there? The bus ads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that comes back to the previous question. That, that was the hard part. The coordination is like emailing back and forth to make sure that was proper. So they send like, you know, samples of the bus ads of how they're gonna look on the bus. And then they start sending installation shots of them being installed in the bus yards in LA. Oh. And you get to see them. They're like, hey, they're gonna be going out this week. Here's the bus ads. You know, on the buses at the yard right now, and you get, you know, samples. You get more samples from them, of them driving around LA and stuff, and then you can see them around LA too, and you know, do your own market, take pictures to help market and put it in places. So. Did they tell you which bus line? Like, hey, this is going to be on the two, and it's going to go down Santa Monica. Yes, there's well, there's certain routes they'll they'll take what you can get. Um, ours went from downtown LA, all the way westbound to uh, Santa Monica. So all the way from downtown LA through um, Hollywood and through like Midwestshire, Koreatown, all the way to Santa Monica, that whole section. Wow, and so do you remember the first time you saw, Yeah. It, not just their picture, but you saw yeah. it in front of you? Yes, yes, it was mm -hmm. kind of crazy seeing it because you're just randomly driving and hey, there's a bus ad. Like it's really kind of cool. funny seeing it, yeah. How'd you feel? Yeah. I mean, so here you come from, another state and mm -hmm. you have people that probably want you to come home because mm -hmm. they miss you, but you see that moment where all this stress and hard work and everything is there on that bus. How was that? Yes, because that's, that's the film, that's your product you're putting out there. I mean, all that year and a half of work and then there's your final, that's, you kind of see that like that bus ad is a, a poster basically, it's a poster on the side of the bus, a huge poster. You see, hey, that's the product, what we made, that, you know, we made and put out there and it's, it's finished, you know, mission accomplished. So it's a great sense of uh, satisfaction because a lot of people, especially first time feature filmmakers don't even complete the film all the times. Right. Something falls through financing or whatever, you know, in post-production. So yes, it's a huge self uh, accomplishment as you see. I bet. But that being said, uh, it was still difficult. It sounds like. Yes, definitely. And so was it, it was much harder than you thought it would be? Um, yes, I, I knew it was gonna be a lot of work. Uh, it was gonna be a ton of work, but you really don't know what you're getting yourself into until you do it. Just like anything in life, that life experience of, you never know until you try. So, of course, I've been told from people, hey, making that feature is huge. It's a lot of work, a lot of time. Um, been told that from friends and stuff, but you don't know until you actually do it. So, yeah, it was, yeah. Are you almost glad you didn't know? Just so you, because you had there, right. that product right there in LA. It's gotta be really surreal. It's awesome. Yeah, because I mean, this is LA. This is the entertainment capital of the world. Movie capital of the world. This is the best place to, one of the best places to market a film, obviously. With all the studios here, production companies, distributors, people in the business are here. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it's huge seeing it here. It's, uh, it's great. It's, yeah, it's a ton of work just putting together. But is is it better that you didn't know? Or or do you wish you actually did know so then you could, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, right. but do, do you? I think that, probably that I didn't know. However, that wouldn't have persuaded me from wanting to accomplish my goal and what I wanted. So, like usually if I want something, if I have a goal in mind, I'm just gonna do it until I get it done. Regardless of how hard it is and what it takes, it's gonna get done. So. Maybe if I would have known prior, like what was involved, 
maybe I would have went about it a different way or maybe changed my mind on some things, but it wouldn't have changed my mind of not wanting to do it overall. From a film distributor's POV, would you say that short films don't matter? They don't count? They, they do count. I mean, they're a resume builder, essentially. Because if you can't make a good short film, how do you make a good feature? Like if your short film doesn't look good, then what, how are you going to persuade somebody that if it's your first feature, hey, this is going to look good? Um, they do count. However, I think today's things have changed. Um, it's, it's cheaper to shoot a film than it was. Because a lot of things are shot digital now versus back in the 90s and before everything was like film. So it was a lot more expensive. So making a short film back then was a lot more expensive. So now it's kind of, you can make a feature film for relatively cheap. I mean, you might not have the best like lighting or cinematography or something or the camera package or something, but you can shoot relatively cheap. So with that uh, being in mind, making a, a feature, you know, is that's kind of like, I think a lot of people's calling cards now versus a short film used to be kind of like your way of building a, a big resume. Now it's kind of like, well, a feature film is cheaper to make. So there are a lot of distributors and people are even in the business are expecting you to make a feature and have a body of work. If you're asking for financing for another feature, they're expecting to see features, not so much shorts under your belt, but they do count. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. How many shorts did you make before um, the Mason brothers? Um, like four, four. I think, okay. And when you were a little kid, were you, were you filming stuff too? No. No, you weren't one of no, those kids no. that were taking things apart and you Not know, you really. always hear about that now. Okay. No. It wasn't until I got to LA is when I got, you know, all into this, into the filmmaking and, and everything really. Mm. Right. And so you had a, another course for yourself, but you decided to come out here and you had people that loved you back home that wanted you to stay. It sounds like. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Of course. That's, I mean, it's a huge leap. Yeah. It was a big move, big change, but, mm -hmm. uh, it's what I wanted. So cool. I came out here and, went after it. And now you're ready to do a second feature or you're preparing? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm in development on another feature right now called The Refuge, which means safe haven. Um, it's another crime thriller. I mean, all my, all my screenplays and everything, they're all crime thriller. So I'm in development on that and looking for financing for that now. I'm talking to people and uh, we'll see how it turns out and on how, when, when we're going to be shooting stuff. But I'm, I'm pretty happy with the package I put together so far with some of the cast what I'm talking to and uh, obviously my same crew of people. Oh, good. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. I'm pretty excited. This one's going to be better than the last one. You got to keep making, you know, better products and uh, better films. And you've already written the script? Yes, it's done. It's been done for a few months now. Okay. And you said how, how long did it take? Two and a half months. Two and a half months. Okay. Yeah. So you took longer with this one. Were there, th were there certain things that you approached differently, structure-wise, or um, just how you did dialogue or anything? Yes, I um. So with this one, unlike a lot of my other scripts, feature-like scripts I've written in the past, those I just kind of sat down and wrote with the the concept I had in mind. Yeah, I just wrote it. Uh, with this one, because for the last year and a half I was so hung up on uh, this last feature film and doing all these, wearing all these different hats and getting out there and stuff. I was so busy. I didn't have time to really sit down and write like a full length feature length script. because I was so busy. So what I did was instead, I just started taking notes on a Word document on what I had in mind for the different scenes and just in general for the cast and people and characters. And um, yeah, I just wrote down on a Word document all the different notes I had. I had like four pages of notes. 
before I started writing it. So when I came, sat down and started writing it, I had all these notes referred to, which was the first time I've never done that. And that was just because I was so busy for the past year and a half on this last one. So um, yeah, I changed that. I mean, so I had clip notes to kind of refer to, and uh, there's some different things that changed in there based on this first feature, what worked, you know, for people's reactions, like watching the movie in the theaters and stuff, and mm. things I can fine tune for different plot points and when to bring certain characters in or certain, you know, enticing moments, what will capture people's attention and people will enjoy suspense. Are you a character in the film? Yes, absolutely. Just like all of them. No, I guess that's a trademark of mine. I love myself and all of them. So, uh, yeah, like I said, you spend so much time with it. So it's right. just what I, the trademark of mine, it's what I like. I think it's pretty cool, sure. like some directors do. Mm-hmm. And again, and the character is like you, is that right? Or similar bit. to you? Yeah. Okay. A little, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit different from the last one, but I want to change it up a little bit every, every uh, film. Sure. Not exactly the same, but a little bit different. When you plan on shooting it, what do you think you'll do differently? What are some things that you know that, you know, what I learned from this, whether it was location that fell mm-hmm. through or? Um, we're going to hire more people. I mean, ideally, depending on the budget, I, obviously I need more people. I need a bigger crew. Um, more people in pre-production helping and in post-production. So definitely more people. Um, that's really about it. I mean, just more people. The, the bigger the team, the bigger the army you have, the easier it is for you as a producer on the film. So you're, you know, you're not juggling too many hats. You have other people helping out. So it's really just hiring more people and, and delegating these duties and, and jobs to these other people. Do you like to do a lot of stuff yourself? You know, there's certain people that they yeah, love to just yeah, be yeah. really hands-on. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, like I did a lot of editing on this last one. I'm missing, but I had an editor, my editor be writing it, but I did do a lot of editing on it. And, um, that was very tedious. I mean, I edited a lot of stuff, like the trailers and some little things, but like, uh, you know, promotional stuff. But uh, I think um, editing is, it's that's the part, I don't say I hate the most, but it's very tedious and time consuming out of all the things. And that's why I told my team, I was like, hey, this next one, there's no way. I mean, I'll, I'll edit maybe the beginnings and maybe help out with the trailers, but I'm just gonna let someone Edit it and I'll give them the notes on how I kind of want it. I'm like this last one I was doing like 30, maybe 35% of the scenes I was editing myself hand editing and then like the other 30, 35% I was kind of telling my editor what, what I wanted and stuff. And I let them edit like the other 35% just say just edit it. And it was a lot of like dialogue and stuff because it was some complex scenes in there. What were like a stabbing scene or like a torture scene or a shooting scene or something like that where it had to be done and edited a certain way, a certain way that I had in mind. What I thought, just because of the shot list, what I came up with my cinematographer, that just from studying films for so long, it's hard to explain to somebody. Like, hey, when someone gets stabbed or this, the camera it needs to flip to this angle or to over here to show this, the reaction of this actor's face, hide you know, the knife or whatever it is. Um, instead of explaining that, it's kind of easier just to do it because you've seen it in films and how you want it with the shot that you came up with. So that was, it was a lot of hands-on with that. But this next one, I, I don't want to, it's too time because I just, I let someone just do it and I'll correct notes or anything, whatever. What, what are you using to edit on? Uh, Adobe Premiere. Oh, okay. It's a good program off of, yeah. my editor had a big PC. I know a lot of people edit off Macs, but he had a huge PC station. Um, that's what we edited on. So a lot was done on that with Adobe. 
And you taught yourself how to use the Adobe or, or well, the Creative Suite? Actually, well, I learned that in my filmmaking uh, course classes. And we started editing everything on Adobe. From all the things we shot, we learned at the computers in the lab how to edit off of there from the professor. Uh, Alex Pickering is a great professor from uh, USC, and he uh, teaches the course in East LA. And he, um, yeah, he was teaching, you know, how to edit and stuff. And we just you just learn from the, the courses and the materials and the, the guides. They had like like these little C-ROMs, like guides, and I kind of walking through stuff. And um, yeah, that's how I learned, and just went from there. I know you have a, a four-year degree, but you also have a filmmaking degree, is that, or a certificate? Certificate, uh, it's essentially like a trade school. Great. Uh, it's a trade school I went to in East LA, and um, I was there for about a year. And it has different, uh, each semester has like a different level of difficulty or like more requirements. So I went for about a year, graduated with, a, with two certificates from there. And um, yeah, that's where I learned, I mean, a lot of the, different stuff on kind of like how to, you know, maybe direct a film or be an AD on a film, assistant director, all the different jobs basically, how to edit and all that stuff. And then I kind of took from there and decided what I really wanted to do, which was writing and directing my own material, so. It sounds like you had a positive experience there, but that being said, do you think someone still needs film school to make movies? No, they don't. Um, I, well, it depends on the individual because you need to, either way, you need to, the best way to learn how is hands-on. Just pick up a camera and start shooting stuff. I mean, there's been a lot of big name directors that have started out, they didn't want to, they didn't allow, I think the majority of them didn't go to film school. They just started, they just picked up a camera and started shooting and kind of taught themselves, which you can. Your best film school really is watching films because then you learn how to put together, you can see the different shots they use for, for the film and you can kind of take from that, okay, there's different shots and stuff. So watching a lot of films and then, you know, just pick a camera, pick up a camera and just start shooting stuff. But some people are, you know, maybe better for the film school, maybe they, they learn better. Me, essentially, I wanted to go just because I, I didn't really just want to walk in blind to start picking up a camera and shooting. I kind of wanted some type of instruction just to get started. So it kind of helped with learning the basics. And then from there, it was, it was relatively simple. Once you learn the basics, you just kind of build off of there. You can see their films, watching their movies, and how to put stuff together. What did you learn about working with other people? Whether it was just where you were, you guys were all in the editing bays together on Adobe Premiere Pro, or what you know, I think that's what right, you were using. Right. Um, you know, collaborating, or just even just on a break talking about ideas. What what was it about the working with other people that you you picked up the most from about filmmaking? Um. Well, you see everyone else's process and how they put together a film and their style, what works and what doesn't. So you can kind of talk to them based on, okay, they'll give you advice like, hey, you know, this this works for for this if you're going to do this certain way, like shoot a film this way. Um, you get a lot of advice on different ways to not skyrocket your budget, I would say. Um, I Talking to other people, obviously, you learn from their filmmakers and directors, producers, like, hey, this is a way you can save money, you're not spending thousands, thousands of dollars. Like some people who, I've seen some people come into the business and they've never made a film, not even a short film or feature or anything. And they're like, hey, I have all this money, I have this money, I wanna make a feature film or whatever, I wanna produce it or whatever, I just don't know what I'm doing. So those people come in, they start talking to their people and hiring people in the business that they don't really know that well. And then they start giving these huge budget breakdowns like, oh, you need all this money for this huge crew. 
for all these grips and gaffers and stuff for this film. You need all these people, you need all this money, and they end up making this film for all this money when really they could have made it for one fourth where they didn't really need all those people. Which I even had for me, I've had like a, before I made my feature, I was thinking about working with their production company and they had like this big breakdown of this huge crew and I told my, my team of people, I was like, dude, we don't need all those people. Like I've done this on my short films with a very relatively smaller crew. It's a lot cheaper, you know, it's a lot better with this, I think. You don't need all this stuff. And then I talked to my cinematographer who's produced and stuff, and he's like, yeah, we'll do this, 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 and worked out fine. So I think talking to other filmmakers what are in the business, you can learn from them on, you know, things that work for making your budget relatively small. What are some of the tips to save money with a production, whether it's hiring less crew or mm -hmm. certain location? Um, you know, it really comes, someone has to do with the story. I would say, uh, like this film I did, The Mason Brothers, was very few locations. I had two locations, that's it. So the film takes all place in a big caliber shop, but there's multiple rooms there. And then there's this other um, mansion that took place at, so that instead of having like some scripts have like 20 locations, we didn't have that. We had multiple locations, but they're in condensed into one area. So instead of having like 20 different like outdoor locations, we had to travel. That, that's a lot of money and a lot of time because you have to, the crew has to pick up and travel to their location and you're running short on time and then paying for the other locations unless you get them for free. So like that's huge. Um, you know, there's other things you can do with just some people will let you shoot for free, kind of like I mentioned before, at like their place or their restaurant or something, put a nice establishing shot of their restaurant to help market their restaurant, but you can use it you know, on the house for, on them. So, um, yeah, that, and it, it depends on the caliber. I mean, there's some movies where you can't, you need a bigger crew. Like you, you're gonna need, it's helpful to have more cameras, a B-roll and more sound guys and stuff, but there's certain instances where you don't need that. And my, for my stuff, it was pretty simple. Like I used a lot of the same overhead lighting effects and it, some of it's kind of simple setups for the most part. Not really, but I mean, you don't need tons and tons of people. So there's different ways you can, you know, lower your budget. So for the Mason Brothers, what do you think you could have maybe scaled back on? Just, was there anything that you said, you know what, we probably should have done this and then we could have saved some money or? Um, hmm. Not much really. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought about that. I've thought about that. Even after I made it, I was like, that film, I was like, what can I have done to save you know, more money? I can't really think of much because I thought everything we did was pretty small scale wasn't I didn't have like a nine person camera department and like all these grips like I said and gaffers and sound people um, and I thought we did okay with the marketing we marketed it pretty well I put a lot of marketing in the print advertising the marketing obviously I put a lot of money in there which where that's where a lot of marketing should go in my opinion so yeah there was and they had some favors done with some locations that you know, I knew some of the people and we were able to shoot there for next to nothing. So, uh, yeah, I, would, I don't know, there's not really much. I've thought about it, really, there's not much I really think of. So it was pretty scaled down. It was, like, okay. I tried to really logistically make this like, you know, as, as cheap as I can make, not cheap, but make it not a huge expensive movie with like over a million some dollars for a first feature. Um, do you remember watching it at the Egyptian, what that was like? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was a unique experience. I mean, you had a lot of families and family and friends were there, so a lot of people were clapping like when the the name of their family member came in the 
screen, um, which is cool in the beginning. Everyone's like clapping in certain parts because when you watch it at the other theaters, no one claps at the beginning. So it's, like, I mean, they're not like it was at the the premiere because you have, like I said, friends and family were clapping at certain credits coming to the screen. And the Egyptian's a huge theater. It's like 616 seats, and the, the screen's massive. And it's really nice, and the surround sound system's phenomenal. I mean, Alien from 1979, really Scott's movie premiered there. So watching that with the music and the, the amount of people and people clapping, that was pretty cool. Really cool experience because it's a product you made, you know, with your team and stuff. Uh, seeing it on a big screen in Hollywood, hard Hollywood. So one of the top three best theaters in the world, in my opinion, is. Do people uh, get appropriately spooked or laughed or whatever different things happen at, at different scenes like you thought they would or were there moments where someone actually had a reaction that you didn't think they would have you know yeah um i mean they laughed at certain parts what i thought they would and there's some parts that they laughed at where i didn't think they would necessarily which was good i mean it shows because the movie for the most part is a pretty serious movie mm -hmm. tone it's like a, i mean like a heat movie it's pretty serious it's not like a light-hearted movie at all sure so um and there's some scenes, there's like a couple of torture scenes where I thought people would be more like, you know, an awe by or, or more um, reactions to. But there was reactions about that. There'd be more people like saying stuff or something during the film, but it, it turned out well overall. How come you think you're attracted to dark films? Um, it's just my style. I think every director has a certain style. You should have at least, I mean, that's always been, I've always loved, like, uh, there's certain movies people maybe not heard, like Dark City. That's a movie from the 90s, like late 90s. Um, that's, it's all, it takes place at night. Obviously, like my film takes place all at night. And a lot of the screenplays I write all take place at night with a certain overhead lighting effect. But it's just my style, I, I like that type of style. I've seen uh, some films like that and that's just what I like. It creates a different atmosphere and mood and a suspense. So like I said, all my stuff is crime thriller, but you add that overhead lighting effect and like the darkness to it and it creates a different atmosphere and tone to the film versus putting like more lighting and stuff. So it just it creates more suspense in my opinion. That's just what I like. And you write at night too? Right, right. I write at night and the film, all, most of them all take place at night. Right. So you kind of- some day scenes, yeah. Some day scenes, but a lot of it's at night. Oh, okay. So, so you're getting into that that mm -hmm. mindset. Because, are you more of a night person? Yes, yes, I am. I am. I just, I don't know. The last ten years since college, that's what I've always been like. I think. Yeah. Some people. I mean, that's, that's just they're morning. Some mm -hmm. people are morning people. Some people are night people. Right. So it sounds like that's what you're attracted to, and that's what you write. And have you considered writing a comedy, or you just know that's. Okay to watch, but it's not really what's in my heart um, to make. Yes, but no, I've joked around with my good buddies from uh, from middle school and high school, Matt Webb, which is actually in the film. And we talked about, just jokingly talked about, hey, we should do a comedy based on some of the old, you know, friendships we had from my hometown, our hometown, Tampa and stuff. But it's not my style. I would never do, I don't think I would ever do comedy. I mean, knock on wood, who knows in 10 years from now. But I don't ever see myself really doing one. But who knows? You never know. I can't say no. But my style is that crime thriller, like the dark tone. Sure. Like you have that like drive, you know, that's a pretty dark movie. Some of it's at night and it's just my style. I don't know. That's just what I like and it appeals to me the most. More of a serious type of film. And another character who's 
based on action and you really don't know totally what he's thinking or right. he's just he's very quiet into himself right exactly when he takes action it's yeah. action and yeah yeah it's great uh -huh. yeah those are the best i think this is my certain style i like sure so so just kind of stick with what you know and what mm -hmm. you like and right mm -hmm. i think you said earlier that you really wanted to put a lot of your effort and money into marketing which is smart i noticed that a lot of was it horror sites covered the Mason Brothers? Right. Was that strategic, even though it's more of a, a dark thriller? Yes, I think so. I mean, my publicist, I let deal with a lot of that marketing side in that sense. And I did a lot of the marketing, like the bus ads and um, social media marketing. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it was marketing with the social media and bus ads and like outdoor advertising is what I was focusing on with my company. And let my publicist focus on a lot of the advertising, like the internet sites and, and different interviews with people. Um, so that's kind of how we just, you know, distribute the marketing in that sense. But a lot of the money yes did go into marketing, which I've seen. I just, I've seen a lot of people make a film, a feature, or anything. And they make that mistake of they put all the money into like production, for instance, and not enough into post production, or just mainly not enough into print and advertising at the end. Because it's like, cool, you can make a million dollar movie, but unless someone's gonna know about it, then what's the point of making it? Because you can put all that money into that, but if you don't have enough money for print and advertising, then no one's gonna know about it. So that's why I would say like, hey, at least put you know 40, 50 percent of your budget into that. print and advertising if you can, you know, or half. Everyone has a different model of, of approaching it. Some some guys even probably do more, but you should put a lot into it. Yeah. So with the film that you're working on now, where do you want to spend? most of the marketing budget. What do you think really works? Did the bus ads work? They work. It's good um, it's good advertising. Cause like I said, everyone around town sees it. You know, you can do that in any city. I mean, every city has buses, but LA has like millions of buses everywhere. I mean, there's a bus in every street corner. Um, I mean, where would I go in the future as far as putting more money into? It really just depends. I mean, YouTube's great. I didn't do YouTube. But YouTube ads actually is a huge, a huge marketing uh, tool that a lot of studios use. I mean, I don't know how I've looked into it. I guess it can be expensive. The more money you put into it, the more it will be out on certain links. I mean, you can put tons of money into it and it will come up on like every single video. But obviously the studios, a lot of studios are doing that and have tons of money. So maybe YouTube, you know, look into those and they have that. Um, IMDb is a good place to market a film. They'll, They'll market your entire film on the on like the back page of the IMDb. You go to IMDb.com, and then you'll see the first behind like all the links and stuff is your posters for your movie. So like YouTube, IMDb's a good thing. Uh, maybe more in a social media marketing and um yeah, and then maybe outdoor advertising too. More. Yeah. So it did work. Yeah, I'm never sure how in this current digital age outdoor ads work, but it sounds like it's. They can, yeah. I think it's how you go about it. Because there's, there's also there's fix and people do um, the big, like, uh, what do you call it, the billboards? They'll do big billboards or like the small, around LA or some of the big cities, you'll see like the posters. You can get like multiple posters posted on like different areas, different street corners, but they're fixed posts. So I, mean, I haven't tried to fix posts like that before. I did the bus ads, but I don't know how well those work. But I've seen a lot of, like they say in business, there's really no correct way to go about it uh it's what works best for you or what you think works best based on your prior experience because you have 10 different people who approach you know a certain business and they're all going to probably do it differently as far as marketing so and, and i was when i was making my film i mean there was 
other people in the business like name people uh, legit credits and stuff so oh, you should do this you should do this this way like and they all had a different every single person i talked to had a different way uh had a different advice and a different way of marketing every single one of them so it's like you had to take it for a grain of salt and kind of come with your own model what you think's gonna work and learn on your own experience but take them take their experience and what their advice is and learn from that and, and use some of that too if, if you want obviously so do you think if your buddy in um florida hadn't worked with bus ads or or outdoor advertising probably wouldn't have thought of that maybe probably not yeah that's he recommended it pretty cool yeah he recommended it and it was yeah he's all hats off to him i mean he was kind of mentored me a lot because i never really had a business until i made my production company and then he had his business in florida and um his name's kirby the valley he's a good guy he uh old friend of mine and he uh he helped uh he was kind of mentoring me with a lot of stuff with um you know what worked for him with his company and how he was he's yeah, I tried all these different things. What works, I think works. You, know, you should try this if you want. So, yeah, he was a big influence, which I the touch on. I think everybody should have a business mentor. If you can find one, uh, starting a business or whether it's a film business or any type of business, you should, if you can get one, get a film or get a business mentor because those are the people who can guide you and help you. And it's like walking into it, walking into it blindly is it's hard because you don't know really what you're doing unless you've run a business before. Did you know though Kirby would be your mentor or you just knew him for years? You saw what he had accomplished and said, yeah. cool, can I ask you some questions? No, no, I just knew he had his business and I started talking to him and he started giving me a lot of pointers and I bounce, I trust him as a friend. I've known him for a long time and uh, started bouncing ideas off of him and what his advice was and he gave me his advice. So I didn't really, I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really know that it would work like that. I just, just started asking him questions and feedback and stuff. Let's suppose you attend AFM this coming year or next and you're sitting down with a friendly first-time filmmaker and you say you know what I just want to give you five tips that you absolutely must know about making your first feature film. First thing I would say um, definitely have which is more of a producer's uh, job but still I think having a budget locked on you have the budget and the financing locked in, that you have all the money you need for the entire film from uh, pre-production to principal photography, post-production to distributing and prints and advertising, the entire everything that is locked in. And then to have a, a set schedule and a time frame on when you want to get this out, this film out there and made and not lingering and taking five or 10 years, but having a certain time frame like, hey, this is my goal. I want this done, completed out to the world by this time frame um this also preparation with your cinematographer and other people with the shot list and what you want uh your vision like kind of talking to your team prior on this is what i think for these certain scenes should this is how they should look this is what i want collaborating with them then also i think uh it's huge and really really important to as a director have a good working relationship with the cast and the crew but essentially the cast uh you're working with these people on set, directing them on what you want them to do in your vision. It's important that you have a good friendship and working relationship with them because you're going to spend a lot of time with these people on set and then even through post-production, some of them, I mean, you're still talking, communicating with some of them depending on the size of the film. And then uh, once it gets out to everybody, if you're doing a theatrical release or a premiere, you're going to see these, I mean, everyone's going to come and support the film. So. It's good that you have a good working relationship with these people and you continue to have that. So that's important, I think, um, for any director. 
That's great. That's excellent. Do you think, did, did anyone sit you down and say the same, or this is all stuff you learned? No, not really. I just, from experience, this is my opinion. Definitely. Yeah, and definitely the working relationship, I really touched base on that. That's huge. Because if you don't get along with certain actors or certain people, such as a director, it's not going to work. They're not going to respect you. It's just not going to, I mean, they're not put in, they might not put in all their effort and time into your, to your film and, and the scenes and, and everything you want. So you, you have to have that respect from the cast and then you have to respect them too. So it's a mutual respect within the crew, everybody. It's a collaboration overall. It's what it is in a business. Sure, and it doesn't maybe mean that they're bad actors or bad people. It no. just maybe they didn't want to really do it. And if right. if you do anything with someone who's half-hearted, it it, mm -hmm. it just creates right. You want to work with people who are passionate mm -hmm. and uh, take direction well, but also you know it, if they're suggesting, hey, I think, what do you think about this? And and you open your mind to yeah, we can change that around. That, that's cool. Open your mind to their suggestions and also just collaborating with them, and then, um, you know having that continue on until the film's out and, and the public and maintain, like I said, to continue to work with these people over time, long time for a career. Keith, I'm hearing the word product come up a lot and I love it. I love that you are thinking of a film as a product. It's not just a project. It's not just something you've created, a work of art, whatever. Where are you getting this? Because I'm thinking of a product sometimes as a piece of code someone's written, they've turned it into an app whatever, but you're, you're seeing a film as a product. Right. Well, essentially, so a film, it's a piece of art. It is. It's a piece of art, but it's also a product in the sense that this is a business and you, most people, if you make a short film, usually that's because, you know, usually short films don't make money or they don't get distribution. They're not really meant for that. Um, so that's not really something you sell but when you get to the feature film world that's it's like going from maybe like college football to the nfl you're going up step up the ladder to where it's so time consuming and it's so much money involved that you're then once you step up to that ladder you're kind of stepping up to the plate and telling the industry like hey i'm ready to you know i like making films or whatever it is i'm passionate about this but i'm also here to sell you know i want to sell uh films too because making a feature film that's usually they're a piece of art, but also it's a product in a sense of this is all business. You're there to sell as well as make the film. So that's something what's the way I see it, it's a business overall. That's really what it comes down to. And, you know, if you're passionate about it and that's something you enjoy doing and it's a piece of art, it's also something that I see is also I want to sell it too, you know, and have it, people see it, not just make it over a two-year period and over how long it takes. Has anyone ever challenged you over that? Like, oh man, you keep calling your film a product. Can you um, just call it a film? But I mean... Uh, not really. <laughs> but I think it's just... No, not really. I just think it's... it's. You can go make... Like if, like I said, if you just want to make a piece of art and just see it only as just that, then go ahead and make you know your short films. So that's less time consuming but once you're making a feature i mean it's like that's a totally different animal you're spending every waking moment of your life on that thing it seems like at least for me that's how it was every waking moment of your life energy sacrificing friendships uh i mean time with friends and family and um yeah you stepped up to that plate to where this is your passion about this but also you want to start selling your films 
and make it a business is really what it comes down to when you start making features. So when you're in that level in that category and you stepped up to, hey, I'm a feature film director, you're also a businessman. That's essentially what you are. If you're doing short films, you're not as, you know, that's like I said, you can just do that for fun, I think. And you can try to sell those too, yes. But the feature films really what distributors people buy into and they'll start selling and stuff. So at that point, then at that point, you're there to sell something which you're passionate about and also a piece of art, but it's a product in that sense. So calling it a product doesn't, sounds like in your mind, doesn't diminish the fact that it's creative and that you, you put your you know ideas and these different maybe fantasies in your head mm -hmm. or whatever, but it also means that there's money on the line and there's right. accountability with it. Correct, and I, I equate it to almost like say an engineer makes something. It takes him two years, three years to make it. Well, sure, as an engineer, whatever he's doing in that field, like he's passionate about what he likes to do. He might even see it as like some type of like art or whatever. He's something that he loves to do, right? But also he's there to make this thing and he's there to sell it too at that point. So I kind of see it as that, like engineers taking this product or taking this piece of work, they're building it up and then they're putting it out in the market. So that's kind of the way I see it in a certain sense as well. But you're passionate about it too and it is a piece of art. But it's also this on top of that, you know, a product, something to sell. Or like an inventor from your right. past. It's an invention, mm -hmm. technically. Okay. It's like making anything technically and then selling it. So, and taking years to make it, but you're passionate about it, obviously, because who would spend years making something unless you really enjoyed it? Do you have like a five, ten year plan, or you just know you, you're going to take it project to project? Mainly project to project, because I mean, I have other, I have other scripts written and projects that I'm always currently trying to package. It's kind of like whatever, whichever one takes off first, I go with. However, I am focusing on this one I wrote a couple months back as my next one because it's relatively low budget compared to the other scripts. So it's you know more wider, I think, for me to take it step by step into working up to bigger, bigger budget movies is to do it that way. So that's my next project. But as far as like a plan. Not really. I mean, I hope to shoot all the ones I've written so far, eventually, in my lifetime. I don't know when that will happen, but I, mean, I know what, I, what I'm passionate about and I love and is this, so whichever one takes off first. I don't really have like a set timeline, really. When you wake up, what's your mindset in terms of like, you know you're here in LA, you know that you're still young and have a lot of time left, but at the mm -hmm. same time, it sounds like you don't want to waste time, which is great. Right. So what's your mindset? I mean, I, every day I wake up, I have that, that certain goal I want to accomplish or something for the day at least. To Every single day, my philosophy is this. It's if you work really, really hard at something, extremely hard, and you're putting in 110% effort, and you're focused on it and you're disciplined with it and you're putting in a ton of work and you're, you're truly striving for it every single day, it's really hard to fail. It's just hard to fail. Because if you're working that hard at something every single day, it's just the odds. Or it's, it's not as stacked against you. It's hard to fail when you're working that hard and you're extremely determined to accomplish something. So, I mean, every day I wake up, I have that certain thing in mind that, okay, this today I want to accomplish these things to move forward with this with this project or with this or whatever it is to further the career and make this next film or make this one. So I have all that in mind every single day. As long as I'm moving forward with something every single day, 
the wheels always turning and things keep getting you know accomplished and moving forward so i have that mindset of just that constant hustle and i think you have to especially out in la it's i mean this isn't like a smaller city to be a director writer or like an actor or whatever this is la this is a lot of competition there's a lot of fierce competition but if you work hard and you get to know some of the right people it's not that hard that's just the way i look at it especially if you work hard i think if you work hard then you have everything going for you because say you don't have financing for a film whatever well if you work hard I mean, you'll find a way to over overcome those challenges if you're willing to put in the work whether it's that or you want to get more acting jobs or whatever it is you work hard you'll find a way to overcome that challenge and that's kind of my philosophy is not quitting is always going forward so every single day i have that mentality and that hustle in mind i think that people who truly you know accomplish what they want in la in the entertainment industry have that mindset so i see some of these guys these people when these awards or wherever, Academy Awards, Golden Globes, or wherever they're at, uh, small film festivals, and I see, well, they must have, you know, they, they must work hard at least. So they, they have to work hard to get there. I know that. So it's good to meet other people like that. Excellent. Well, I mean, you talk about challenges, and I think that's one of the misconceptions about coming out here is that, oh my gosh, I'm going to be creative, and it's going to be an upswing the entire time. But no, there's days when it's not an upswing, and you hit an iceberg, so on those days that, that everybody has, what do you do differently to not quit? Because some mm -hmm. people, I mean, we all have them no matter what we're doing out here, but it, the difference is who, who actually gives up when those... Right. I mean, really go back to the drawing board and figure out why is this not working? Because, you know, something's not gonna work. For instance, I came out here and I started doing a little bit of acting stuff and trying to do auditions, it wasn't really working. So I changed my approach. I went to something else where I also was passionate about. Well, I didn't really know what I was that passionate about, but I started filmmaking, making my own products, and then things that changed the whole landscape for everything out here for me. So I started seeing a lot more success, meeting a lot more people. Uh, people started taking me more seriously, and that's when things started to take off a little bit for me. So you have to always come up with a game plan. It's just like any anything, maybe a sport, a football game, whatever, boxing match, anything, or a war, whatever. If something's not working, you had to figure out, okay, what can we do differently? Why is this not working? And let's change the approach and see. And you just keep changing your approach, what's not working. And I think also what's important is find something to keep the wheels moving with exposure or whatever it is. So if you're like, hey, I'm not getting any products made or I'm not getting any jobs out here, go do a small project with a friend, make something on your own, shoot it for that, almost nothing. Um, you know, market stuff on online or wherever do something to get exposure or to put yourself out there and keep because then that gets things going wheels moving again and people you know you start talking to more people in the business versus just like not doing anything because you hit a wall it's important i know there's that new phrase now pivot it's like right. the new the new trendy but but i mean there you know if you think about it it's true so okay just try to adjust something um, but sometimes that's hard to do, especially mm -hmm. if, you know, your mindset is I have to have it this way and then something happens and it, it, it's emotional. Mm -hmm. You want it to go the way you want it to go. But right. so it sounds like you just, you don't dwell on any of that for too long. No, no, I just, I just keep pushing forward. And I try not to think about it too much. I think that something's not working. I try to make a quick fix, sit down, make a, another approach and then go after it and then keep pushing forward with it and not think about it. Cause it's when I've seen people out here and even some of the actors and people or whatever, writers, other people are like, hey, this is not working. 
they get all bent, you know, out of shape about it, and they're thinking about dwelling on it. As I tell them, like, man, don't, you know, stop thinking about it. Just go out and either make your own product for, like I said, the short film or something for next to nothing or a scene or do something or write a script, right? Something small, submit it to a, a film festival contest or some type of contest for writing or something to get the wheels moving with other avenues in the business. And don't just limit yourself to this one job in the business of, I just want to be a director of photography or I just want to be a director, I just want to be an actor. Because you don't know what maybe you're better at something else than another, and you might like something better than another, or you can do multiple things, which is like a triple threat, you know, in the business, which is, which is good because you can do different, different things, and it opens up a lot more opportunity and options. What was something about coming to LA and attempting to be this or that or being creative, whatever it is, that was actually a wonderful surprise that you never really hear about. You always hear, oh, be careful, don't trust this, don't trust that, which all those things exist, but something that was actually a, a, a wonderful thing that you weren't expecting, that's that's a positive right. to being here. The friendships, people you meet. Uh, you meet a lot of people who have the same goals or uh, passions that you do, and you can literally go, it's almost kind of like a fraternity. I mean, you go to like a bar or something, or someplace where there's the same types of people, and you can immediately start up a conversation without any type of hesitation and it's easy to start a conversation with them and not, cause you not be drawn back and not like hesitant because you know they're the same types of mindset that you have, same types of people. So it's almost kind of like maybe a fraternity. It's easy to kind of approach and, and uh, you know, talk to those people and, and, and the friendships, just meeting the people and all the different types of people around here and, and friendships are huge, what I've learned and seen. So knowing like LA people that love movies you could basically pick certain directors and do you remember this film and then bam, it's like you're instantly bonded right. over that person's work. Good connections there, yes. Immediately, like you start talking to them and it's, and it's yeah, that connection is there, is that bond. Right, like remember that scene and, mm -hmm. then, and then it creates this energy around that where then you kind of like form some type of friendship or acquaintance. Right, exactly. So you have like a film festival or somewhere, you know, that's, that's huge there. That's where all the same types of people like you are going to and you can share interest and you meet great people through there. So the people I've met coming to LA have been great people. That's the biggest thing I've probably taken away from here is all the different types of people I've met and the friendships overall.